1: We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is is the life. It still gives us the life. Live. The reality is, he is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God.
2: And it is Real Presence Live. Thank you for being here with us this morning. Steve Smolskowski in studio with Tom O'Geefe. Morning, Tom. How are you today? I'm terrific. Very blessed. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here this morning with us. It's a... Looking forward to the next couple hours, just kind of chatting on, on great topics. Um, from uh, vi- visiting with Bishop Cousins on the pro-life work, and uh, we're also going to talk about grandparents. We're going to talk about uh, family ministry. We're going to talk about some great resources for the Eucharistic Revival. So, folks, thanks for being here with us this morning on Real Presence Live. But before we get too far into the conversation, Tom, can you lead us in a prayer?
3: Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you today so blessed, so grateful for this apostolate and the work that it's doing across the, the Midwest here. And uh, we pray today for your blessing and for your grace as we uh, talk about these difficult challenges. Remember that we approach these challenges and these things with joy, uh, the joy that we have with the love of your son. And we ask for his mother to, to bless us and intercede for us as we play. Remember, most gracious Virgin Mary never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored the help or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto the old virgin, a virgin of my mother. To thee do I come before thee, a sin, influential, and sorrowful. O mother, word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the Father, Son,
2: Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tom, for uh, leading us in the prayer. And I know you said, the friend, you said that as we play, and I know you meant pray. However, amen. I love, there's an image um, of of the Holy Family, where our Our Lady is sitting there, and Joseph is standing there, kind of in his workshop, and Jesus is holding a, a little bird on his finger, um, and I kind of feel like um, that. Sometimes we need to play before mm-hmm. the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, maybe maybe our prayer can be playing before the Lord.
3: Absolutely, I've been just meditating on that in my my own prayer life lately. How, how many times we talk of singing joyfully to the Lord and, and participating in in, in uh, that that uh, the daily life with the Lord in, in joy. And we just don't do that enough. And we don't sing. Uh,
2: yeah. You know, I, I believe that some of the, the meditations um, and, and church fathers, uh, and philosophers have talked about how creation, uh, making creation was the son playing before the father, so playing before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having it was to make me think of when I was a little boy, I loved to play farm. You know, to set up my fences and take them down, and then you know, make a driveway, and then set them back up, and it was just, you know, just kind of like creation. Creating something beautiful was was fun, um, and so just having that that time to play before the Lord, um, and here we are playing before Him on Real Presence Live.
3: Thank you for that uh, wonderful spinoff of my.
2: <laughs> no, you know, I honest, I, I really, I really do believe that the Holy Spirit allows us to say things a little different than we would expect. Um, that it might be something that something to go back and say, oh. Why do I do that? And yeah. it's like, well, I'm trying to show you something. And so we have the opportunity to talk about today. And we have on the line with us right now, Bishop Cousins. Good morning, Bishop. How are you this morning?
1: Good morning. I'm delighted to be with you. Very good. Very well. I'm at, I'm calling from our camp with our young people from the Christian Diocese, John Paul II.
2: Awesome. And, and how's that going?
1: Going very well. We've got about 140 of them here, 80 junior high students, and then the 40 team members. And see, it's really a good
2: so, so on a camp like that, Bishop, uh, what what do you do during the day? Do you uh, go out and play games with the kids? Do you give talks? Uh, what's your involvement look like?
1: Yeah, all that. We do we do games, we do talks. I just try to hang out with the, with the kids. It's such a privilege to be with them. We had morning adoration. It was excellent. Five thirty this morning, actually We had about a third of the kids show up for five thirty a.m. morning adoration for a holy hour. So very impressive group of young people.
2: Well, and there's something about being with the youth that is is life giving, right?
1: Amen. Yeah, it's just great hope for the
2: future. Yeah, I think, and even like even raising children, um, some of the silly things that they do, some of the silly things that they say, um, even though they have to be corrected, are so cute because they're trying their best uh, to to share and to communicate, a, uh, you know, on something that they're passionate about. Is there? Do you see that with the youth you're working with? Kind of a passion for for things. Yeah, they're all
1: ages here, you know, but uh, but definitely see their passion, their enthusiasm. And they're, you can see their faith already. A lot of them just come from really good families. And so it's really encouraging for them to be together. And, you know, some of them, like we had a high school student giving a testimony to Virginia High students last night just talking about her own experience in adoration and in prayer. So it's really a beautiful experience. And, you know, teenagers, they need that peer pressure on uh, positive ways to be able to, to grow in their faith. And so camps like this are really an important opportunity for our youth.
3: Bishop Cousin, this is Tom O'Keefe. Say you've been in the Crixan Diocese for a few months now. How are you getting settled in?
1: You know, I'm learning my way around. As the 14,000 square miles we got, I think have been not to all the parishes, but I've been to most of them, and uh, just beginning to learn my way around and meet the people. Really grateful for the incredible faith of our people that I see when I go to the parishes, their dedication and um, just their their resilience, their love for the church. So just to give an example, yesterday I had the morning mass at Nadawash, which is on the White Earth Indian Reservation. We celebrated the Feast of St. Petiri Tecaquisa, which we transferred to the Sunday. And then after that, I had a confirmation at 1 p.m. in um, in Bagley. Uh, Austin and Bagley Parish together. And then I came here last night to the Bemidji for the opening mass of the youth camp. So... Learning my way around and seeing, seeing the beautiful sights, but
2: mostly the beautiful people. You know, I think uh, going back to our, you know, just talking about people and, and this desire for truth, and we're going to talk about uh, our you know our our, our journey and our uh, struggle for life here. But going into that with the youth. Talk to us a little bit about their desire for the truth. You know, the world has its own agenda that it's trying to put forth, and we as the church are trying to to share with them the truth. And, and they're so desirous of the truth. Can you talk to us a little about that?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, everything is shifting for the youth in the world today. Everything. Literally, you can't be sure about anything. And, um, you know, even in a world where, where people say you have to decide what your gender is, well, that's a huge amount of pressure to put on a young person, right? And the world puts all this pressure on them that they have to discover the truth. And so when they find that, no, the truth is real and I can actually just surrender to it, it actually brings great peace. I preached about this yesterday with the story of Martha and Mary, that Jesus said to Martha, you are anxious and concerned about many things. And I said to the young people, this describes our culture. Everyone is anxious and concerned about so many things. And Jesus... He wants to give us peace, and if we will be like Mary and surrender our hearts to him and open our hearts to him, then he'll He'll give us the truth that sets us free and brings peace. He'll give us his Holy Spirit, which guides us and leads us. He'll fill us with a sense that we're loved and known by him. Everybody longs for that, especially young people in today's world where anxiety, depression, uh, all of the pressures that are on them are so strong, and so... Uh, a place like this, where we take away their cell phones and we, we uh, just let them experience the goodness of creation and being together, and then we open them up to preach the truth to them, it can really make a difference.
3: You know, uh, the, Jesus tells us so many times, no, "Do not be afraid and do not be anxious." and And how how do you see the the church uh, being a, a safe place for these these young people uh, to get away from all of this uh, stress and, and, and demands?
1: Truth. Today, especially, the Church is a light in the darkness, right? And so there's all this darkness around and confusion. And so when we proclaim our our beautiful teaching, um, whether that's our teaching about, you know, how we welcome the dignity of every human life, the unborn child, the immigrant, all of that, or whether it's our teaching about human sexuality, which is actually a a truth that sets free, the young people, they're looking for that light in the darkness. And when they experience it, then it gives them a way to to guide their lives. And without that, they really do wander aimlessly, and that creates all kinds of pain and confusion, even wounding. And many of them have already experienced that wounding, and so we try to invite them to experience the healing that Jesus offers through prayer and adoration, through the Mass, um, through testimonies and prayer teams. But uh, they really need that light in the midst of the world today, and that's what the Church can do.
2: Yeah, and speaking in that uh, in the vein there of of wounding and healing and and um, you know sadness, um, obviously with the the Dobbs decision, we know that the uh, abortion clinic here in Fargo is going to close um, and move across the river, and so we're 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 happy that it that the uh, it's going to end here in Fargo, but we're saddened that it'll move to Moorhead. Talk to us a little bit about um, you know in, in every. In every battle, there is, there is a grace. Can you talk to us a little bit about how, that, uh, how you see that? We're, uh, where is the and Diocese going to go from here uh, in the battle for life?
1: Yeah, well, first, we, we don't consider this a fait accompli, right? So we're actually praying and fasting, and I'm inviting all the people in the and Diocese to pray and fast that this abortion clinic will not come to our diocese. And we want to be able to show the city of Moorhead uh, the people of Minnesota, that we don't need an abortion clinic because, actually, we are ready, and certainly the parishes at the Diocese of Crookston are ready to receive any woman or man who finds themselves in a crisis pregnancy. We're ready to support them. We're ready to help them. We're ready to give them the resources that they need. And uh, so we don't need an abortion clinic because we're ready to welcome every life. We welcome the woman, we welcome the father, and we welcome the baby. And so, uh, so I'm still hopeful that this might not happen and really encourage people to pray. We're going to, you know, even invite people to, to be organized and, and to show the city of Moorhead that we don't, we don't want the support some clinic in Moorhead and we don't need it. Um, because as we all know, the answer to the problems of crisis is, is not death.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's a, the, the answer to crisis is life and hope and, and working together. I, I, love, uh, I love your message there uh, because we do have to be a people of hope always. And it, we note in, in, in the readings today at Mass, if you go to Mass, the first reading is from the book of Micah. Um, and, you know, the questions mm-hmm. there, are, you know, what, what, what does the Lord want? You know what the Lord requires of you, to do right, to love goodness, and walk humbly with your God. Um, And so sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, we have this big crisis coming up. What do you do about it? You do what you always should be doing. Walk humbly with your God and pray. And so pray and fast. And what a great great invitation, Bishop Cousins, to pray and fast um, so that this, again, this decision that has been made by human beings might be overcome by our Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we invite you to do that. Are there any um, special, any uh, particular petitions or prayers that you're asking the faithful to pray, or uh, any particular actions that you're inviting them to, Bishop?
1: Yeah, just, well, one, to pray that we might not have an abortion clinic in our diocese so that we can protect every human life. You know, this is the beauty of the Dobbs decision, is that it simply uh, restored the facts that every human life deserves legal protection, regardless of its age. And so we want our city, our diocese, our state um, to recognize that fact. Now, of course, in the state of Minnesota, we are a long way to go. We have a constitutional amendment that allows abortion for the state of Minnesota. And so we have a long way to go um, to be able to establish this right to life here in the state of Minnesota. Um, but Cities don't have to put up with this, right? Um, There's room for citizens to say no. We 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 don't want this in our city, and uh, we actually want to provide life affirming results. And that's actually really important for us as pro lifers to put our money where our mouth is by providing life saving alternatives.
3: So, so, Bishop, you talked a little bit about every every parish being willing to take on some of these difficult situations for these these mothers and help out. I mean, what does that practically look like, and how do we get that word out to those those women in crisis?
1: Yeah, so we're doing some training sessions this month to parish to our parish staff. The U.S. bishops have a wonderful program called Walking with Moms in Need, and that program basically equips parishes to help anyone who comes to them to find the resources that they need. Now, thankfully, we don't, we don't have to make up those resources in the Diocese of Kirkston because we have met plenty of pregnancy resource centers all over the diocese, and Bemidji, the Grand Forks, and Morehead. And so we just have to connect people with those resources. But we want our parishes to understand that's our job. Someone comes through our doors in need. We're here to help, and we provide. we tell them they're here to help and provide ways to connect them to those life-saving resources. So we're just equipping staff to be able to do that.
2: Awesome folks. We're going to step away for a little break. We've been visiting with Bishop Andrew Cousins of the Diocese of Crookston. and we're talking about life, which is so beautiful, the life of the youth, the life of the unborn, and your life, the life Christ has given you as he played before the Father in creation. So we're going to step away for just a few seconds um, so that you can get a coffee, get your, you know, get get another muffin or whatever. We'll be back to continue this conversation with Bishop Andrew Cousins. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network.
2: That's right. We're back live, Real Presence Live. Steve Sponskowski here along with Tom O'Keefe. And we're having a great conversation with Bishop Andrew Cousins of the Diocese of Crookston talking about life. And uh, if you take a moment today and thank the Lord for the many gracious gifts he's given you, one of those is life. And maybe even think about um, the lives of people around you, those who have affected your life in a positive way. Uh, Take a little time to thank the Lord for that life. And... Go a little further. What about that person that kind of annoys you? What about that person that really gets on your nerves? Maybe you should take a moment and thank the Lord for the gifts they have, because they also have gifts um, that they're sharing with you. And so we're here to celebrate life. And uh, Bishop Andrew Cousins, we've been talking with you about uh, the life of the children that you're at camp with right now, um, life of the unborn that are, that is, that are being attacked uh, by the sin of abortion. And he talked a little bit before the break about how we're not going to give up. We're not going to say, okay, well, this is, this is done, they're going to move to Moorhead. Let's stop, let's pray, let's fast, um, and ask the Lord to stop that, uh, that from happening. But if that does happen, um, where do we go from there?
1: You know, what we'll do is we'll continue all of our life-affirming efforts. And it's a multifaceted approach, you know. Beautifully, already at the abortion clinic in Fargo, there's almost always a presence of prayer there right at the clinic, right? Absolutely. And that really makes a difference for people when they come there and they see people praying and they're ready to offer life-affirming results, right? So we're ready to offer that to the young people, to the moms in need or the dads in need as they, as they come to the, with the women. We're able to then make a difference right on the front line. But we also, of course, have our pregnancy resource centers. So and this is really a time to invest in those places, because. We need that walk with women, not just in the moment of crisis, not just through birth, but even in those first years after birth. And, uh, you know, a lot of our privacy resource centers just do great jobs with like parental coaching and counseling and really trying kind to of help people through the whole cycle. Because that's again, part of what we say when we're life affirming is we're going to, we're going to support those people who are making the courageous decision for life. And of course, then all that we do in terms of prayer as well. I know, right now, for example, the Knights of Columbus in in uh, the Moorhead and Dilworth area are raising money for a new ultrasound machine that, that will be at the new Pregnancy Resource Center in Moorhead. So we'll we'll continue to provide all all of those levels of you know showing our love for life and to make it real clear that nobody has to choose abortion because every child can be brought to life and will help.
2: You know, I think of this this issue, Bishop, and I know as as a bishop, you are the shepherd of not just the Catholics in the diocese of Crookston, but the shepherd of all souls in the diocese of Crookston, which is such a beautiful thing to meditate on. As as you pray, um, as you enter into prayer and, and talk with the Holy Spirit, how does it? You know, I, I I'm I'm so I'm uh, I'm convinced that people who choose sin are are simply blind. You know. Uh, darkened intellect and even those who are in charge of the red river uh clinic here uh they're wounded they're searching for truth but looking in the wrong places what is our message what we as you know we as catholic and as laity catholic laity who can our our job is to evangelize the world how do we approach this uh messaging and others who are struggling and making difficult decisions uh what's what's our message to them
1: you know, so our message, I think, is really to try to um, preach the way Jesus preached, which was is really to, to, to show the love of Jesus in every situation. That's why I love that movie, Unplanned, which is the story of the conversion of... Uh, the woman's name is, a, excuse me, right now, who converted from working for Planned Parenthood and became pro-life. Um, but what it shows is it was, the, it was actually the love of the pro-lifers outside of the abortion clinic and the way they always acted with love that had an impact on her. And gradually she began to have her conscience opened to what was really going on and the lies and the evil that were all involved in the abortion industry. I and mean, the abortion industry is a really evil thing. <laughs> and um, that's, of course, why we're getting such a strong reaction from uh, the dog's decision is because, you know, in a certain way, this is the enemy's sacrament, right? And uh, we know that even from the Old Testament, the enemy delights in the killing of children. And so, but not everybody who's involved in the abortion industry even knows that. They're intellectual darkness. As I said, they're wounded people. And many protested people don't actually know what they're promoting. And so through our loving witness of them and our kind of gently witnessing to the truth by our actions, that we can um, sometimes make a difference. And as has been shown, it's Abby Johnson, some of those people come to conversion.
2: Absolutely. You know, and, and let's, let's talk about, I want to move this into, you are the, uh, if the right word is chair, um, of the Eucharistic Revival. And of course, what brings more life than the Christ Jesus, Jesus in the Eucharist, the person of Jesus in the Eucharist? How do we take um, Jesus from the Eucharist receive on Sunday and into the world and make a difference in this this uh, work of of life.
1: Yeah. So uh, one of the things I'm so excited about with the Eucharistic revival, and one of the reasons I'm so, I think it's so important, is not just because of the you know some of the original reasons for doing it, which was we we understand so many Catholics, even up to seventy percent, don't fully understand the Church's teaching on the real presence, right? That's a crisis that we're, we're trying to address, but it's also focusing on the Eucharist as a spiritual solution to so many of the troubles of our time, because you know, Christ's gift of the Eucharist is His enduring presence in the world, and it's the daily celebration of the Mass that's actually making the salvific the presence of the death and resurrection of Jesus present throughout time. The world would, would, would disintegrate, it would cease to exist if the Mass didn't exist. Because the Mass is bringing that salvation today, here and now, to all who receive it. And of course, for those of us who come to Mass, we're supposed to learn to live a Eucharistic life. And what that means is just as Jesus has said, this is my body given up for you, when I come to communion and say amen, I'm saying, I'm willing to give my body for you, Jesus. And so uh, Pope Benedict XVI said, a Eucharist that does not end in works of charity for the other is intrinsically fragmented. Because it's, I receive this, all this love from Jesus in the Eucharist, and therefore I'm called to give it. And that's what, you know, strengthens the people who are out there on the front lines of uh, offering life and love and mercy to the women who come for abortions. We're here because we want to give this love which we have received in the Eucharist. And so the, the closer we draw to the Eucharist and more we live in Eucharistic life, the more we're inclined to serve the poor, to love our families well. To, to promote uh, all, all kinds of works of unity and truth and goodness, because it's the charity of Jesus, the love of, love of the heart of Jesus that comes to us at the Eucharist that then inspires us to live.
3: Bishop Cousins, as you were you were talking there, and I was, I was thinking a little bit, uh, as a Eucharist in my own life, I was thinking about how much we underestimate that power and that word that you use, strength, uh, that ability to go out into that community and truly be Christ-like, be that person of charity that be that person of compassion and as i think of my own experiences with talking with people that are are uh uh, pro-choice over the years how i've gradually transitioned from that person of confrontation from that person that just continues to ask them questions and 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 make them think and i think that strength and that power of the eucharist is just a, a, a powerful tool uh that we can use to transform ourselves and transform others yeah exactly and so what
1: it does is it it gives us the strength to be open-hearted towards everyone, because that's how Jesus is towards us, even in our sinfulness, right? And so we can be open-hearted towards them. So I don't have to prove anything. I can simply love them. And it's that open-heartedness that they sense, and they go, there's something different here. Why am I so angry, you know? And this is the kind of great contrast we've seen, even the reaction to God's right? The anger, the violence. That's, that's a sign of the deep wounding, uh, of the people who are involved in the abortion industry and in the pro-choice movement. And we're going to conquer that through love, not through also giving back anger and violence.
2: You know, you I, I, I talk about the, the Pew research that showed that uh, a large number of Catholics didn't truly understand the Eucharist. It makes me kind of laugh. Just from the perspective of going back to the beginning where Jesus in John six fifty three said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And they said, and from that point on, many of his followers refused to follow him. And then we get to John six 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 where they leave him. Um, and he turns to his apostles and says, will you also leave? You know, to me, it seems like this has been a problem from the beginning. Okay, this is nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. We, we know this. We, scripture tells us this. Um, nothing new under the sun. This is a hard teaching. Eating Christ's body, drinking Christ's blood, bringing life. This is a hard teaching. How do we bring that to the world? Wh- what does the world need to hear so that that teaching can take root in, their, in our hearts?
1: Yes, yeah, sir. So you show right there that in some ways the Eucharist has been a source of division from the beginning as well as a source of unity, Right. And you see that difference, like those who have an open heart towards Jesus and are ready to receive it and even the way Pete even the way Peter answers it, Saint Peter answers when that happens, right? What does he say? He doesn't say, you know, the Lord turns to him and says, Will you also leave? But he doesn't say, Oh no, we understand you perfectly. This makes sense to us. He says, Well, to whom else will we go? You have the words of everlasting life. So he has faith in Jesus and therefore he accepts Jesus' word. And so it's really by the Holy Spirit opening people to the person of Jesus that they're going to come to understand his teaching and the truth and beauty of the Eucharist. But it's something the Holy Spirit does. At least I see it here with these young people at camp. It's going to be in adoration. You know, we can talk at them all day, but it's going to be that moment of adoration where the Holy Spirit, through the Eucharist, touches their hearts They say, well, this is really Jesus. And then that changes everything and they're ready to get up at 5.30 in the morning to go do adoration because it changes everything when they have that personal encounter through the Holy Spirit
3: I think it's come back back to identity as you talked a little bit earlier you know identity as, as a beloved son or beloved daughter of God and that identity through Christ and and so many of the people in the secular world don't have that identity and that's why we, we see them reacting uh, their identities in something that that is truly false
1: yeah and that's really what people need right all of us Discover who we are in the gaze of our loving Father, in the image of Jesus the Son, our sons and daughters, and in the Holy Spirit. That's where, you know, Christ truly reveals known to himself. So we discover who we are there. And if we miss it there, then we.
2: That's beautiful, and we're going to end with that that meditation right there. Bishop uh, Andrew Cousins from the Diocese of Crookston will uh, send you back to go play football or frisbee with the youth, whatever you're doing there. Thank you so much for your witness and, and for your faith and for your guests uh, to life, uh, especially a life as a bishop of the Diocese of Crookston. God bless your day. God bless you all. All right, thank you very much. Folks, this is Real Presence Live. We're going to step away for a little break, come back. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk to Christina Lahr about her book, uh, which is hoping to help your youth celebrate the year of the Eucharistic Revival. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.